Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. To the POD cast, the Pride of Detroit podcast. We are back with a second episode for today because we want to talk some Detroit Lions training camp. Hi, my name is Jeremy Reitzman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. And once again, I am your uh, interim coach of this podcast. Uh, Chris, who made his triumphant return last week, uh, is off doing some radio stuff this week. We'll have him back next week. Uh, But just uh, right off the top, a little programming note. um, We're going to talk only about football on this podcast. Um, not that we want to, uh, ignore what happened with the Jacob Blake stuff earlier on Tuesday, but we had a separate podcast for that. And if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to that. Um, we wanted to devote an entire podcast to training camp because a lot has happened in the past week and we want to cover all of that. So we have two guests tonight. Uh, one you're probably very, very, very familiar with. It's Ryan Me, right. News. Oh, oh. <clears throat> it, it, maybe. <laughs> Uh, it's Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. That's at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how we doing tonight? I'm so pissed Monster is here. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Monster Shaheen is also with us at Monster Shaheen on Twitter. I get those goosebumps every time you, you come around. Yeah. Monster, are you pissed that Ryan's here? Yes. All right. You should you should know what you were getting into. You're on the podcast. <laughs> Hostile from the top. I love it. Let's keep it that way. I, I hate old people. Just <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> directed that. Uh, so the way this is going to work, um, we are going to go position by position, kind of talk about their performances at training camp uh, through the past week, kind of revisit some. Uh, training camp battles that we had previewed in the previous podcast, see where things stand now, see where our opinions stand and maybe how the lines are going to create the roster, where the strengths and weaknesses are, that sort of thing. Uh, we'll go offense in the first segment, defense in the second segment, and then we're going to answer all your questions in the third segment. Sound good, everybody? Wow. Yes. Resounding yes. From I don't know if talking to the people or us. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll talk to whoever listens. Uh, <laughs> that's what her podcast is all about. Um, let, let's just, let's get into it then. Let's start with quarterbacks. Uh, so I was talking with, with some of the beat writers today before, uh, practice was canceled. And I think we all kind of came to an agreement that David Blau not only looks considerably better than how he ended the season, but he potentially looks better than Chase Daniel. Now there's no chance that Chase Daniel gets cut based on his contract or anything like that. But my question to you guys is if David Blau looks markedly better, looks like potentially a a backup that could compete when in the game. Is it worth keeping him as QB three on this roster? Let me go to Mansoor first. No. Um, Yeah, no, we should. I mean, if he's, if he really looks that good, we should probably try trading him back to Cleveland and get a, get our draft pick back. But um, (laughs) yeah, we have, we have so much offensive skill talent that we're, going to let go of at least like one talented skill player right so would you rather have a guy that if everything goes right will not see the field because like david blow is qb3 that means that two dudes got injured like would you rather keep that or would you rather keep uh jason huntley and ty johnson so we have like another speedster or would you rather keep marvin hall and uh jamal agnew so we can have like a punt return specialist that i mean if he looks great that's fine i mean that's good but Chase Daniel, like you said, we're stuck with him. So it's kind of is what it is. And I mean, if we can sell him to other teams, then that's great. But we can't keep the three quarterbacks now. You feel the same way, Ryan? 
Uh, I think I feel the same way in theory, and it makes a lot of sense to prioritize maybe some other specialized skill players above a QB3. But if David Blau looks good enough to be better than Chase Daniel, I think you want to at least entertain the idea of keeping a, a, a third quarterback and, and maybe even try to push him to the practice squad. If that if that's an option, I mean, take your risk at him getting poached and maybe another team swooping in and doing that. Or, you know, as Monsor kind of joked about, I mean, it, it's not really too much of a joke to think that you could trade uh, a commodity like that. I think that David Blau, if he's looking better than Chase Daniel, which, to be honest, isn't a very high bar to clear. Um, yeah, I, I think that you, you go that route, but you need to maximize his value and choose whatever whatever that is whether it's trading him keeping him practice squatting him like maximize his value and and you know the best way possible i get where you guys are coming from but it seems a little too short-sighted to me because well i mean there's there's two things here one is covid like it's something that you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind right like covid hits the room and and you need at least one guy healthy and and maybe a third guy helps with that but kind of the longer term version of this is like what if David Blau is like the future backup? What if what if he's our next Sean Hill? Um, where where you know it's just a guy you can trust long term. And I know Sean Hill isn't like a huge boon to any team, and it's not a reason why a team's going to win championships or anything. But a backup quarterback that's capable is is not easy to come by. And if you let David Blau go, I think there's a good chance he gets claimed on waivers. I don't think there's any trade value. I mean, without uh, any preseason games to kind of put tape out there. Who's going to look at last year's tape and be like, ooh, David Blau, give me that. Nobody. But but in terms of keeping a guy around on your third, your QB3, just to eventually be your kind of long-term backup, it doesn't seem like a great use of roster space, but it might be a necessary one in, in this current kind of climate where teams might be reaching to just have an extra guy on their roster. And I don't know if he slips through waivers. I mean, it's always a crapshoot. Everyone always says, Oh, you can't get rid of this guy. He's going to, he's going to get claimed in waivers. We don't really know. I think quarterbacks tend to get claimed more than other positions. So I don't know. It, I'm, I'm with you to a point, but I also think there's a legitimate argument to be made for keeping him around with QB three. Well, I mean, I guess the like opportunity cost is like a good skill player. And if let's say Stafford, Maybe goes down again for any reason, whether it's COVID or an injury or whatever. I don't think this team is winning with Chase Daniel or David Blow, right? Like, I, I don't think the difference between Chase Daniel and David Blow is the difference between us going, what, 0-8 last year and going 1-7. and Or I guess, like, we would have had to go on, what, like 5-4 and four to have made the playoffs at least, or 5-3 and three right. to made the playoffs at least. That's not, that's not big enough of a difference. Like, you know, like, it, it's effectively the same as Stafford goes out. We're running with the backup quarterback who's, probably not capable of regularly winning football games but on the other hand like instead we get to keep a punt returner who's like a firm or first team all pro or we get to keep a wide receiver who can line up out wide and like make plays like regular not like regularly but at least like contribute on a semi-regular basis on the other hand it's like yeah what if this happens but even if that if happens we're screwed no matter which guy's the backup so i don't know like i i like you said backups like i don't I don't think backup quarterback is that important. I think if if you uh if your starting quarterback goes down, it's all like it's all on fire anyways, unless you already have like a super strong roster. Fair. Any any closing thoughts on quarterback before we close it up and move to running back, Ryan? Yeah, hopefully if COVID hits the quarterback room, Jamal Agnew's ready to make another position change. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on to running backs. Uh there's really a lot happening at running back right now. There, there's injuries. There's new people entering the fray. There's uh, there's a lot of talent there. And, you know, Ty Johnson is, is getting a lot of first team reps because DeAndre Swift is dealing with an injury. Kerryon Johnson is getting maintenance days. Uh, Jason Huntley is is flashing in, in receiving drills. He's uh, he, I mean, his speed is on full display. Fullback is kind of crazy right now because Nick Bodden hasn't been in team drills. Neither has Isaac Nauta. So it's they, they made a full switch for Jason Kambinda. Linebacker is now playing fullback full-time. Uh, I, I I have a million questions, but I don't know where to start here. So I guess I guess let's just go back to kind of the, the pre-training camp storyline of Ty Johnson versus Jason Huntley. Are you guys 
in one or other camp or are you in the camp where let's try to keep them both? I think it's where the David Blow like roster spot comes in, right? Like, because sure. yeah, I mean, if they both like really good in training camp and they're both definitely, they definitely have like skill sets that are very valuable in today's NFL, especially Huntley, like a receive a running back who can regularly catch the ball with that much speed is uh, I mean, that's big. So I think if we can make it work, I would rather keep Johnson and Huntley than keeping, let's say Agnew at receiver or keeping um, Blow at QB three. But if it comes down to it, I mean, Johnson is repping with the ones, so I guess him, but I think Huntley has a better skill set. Like I think Ty Johnson's super limited by his inability to like make a tackle, make a tackler miss. So I, I think there's like a inherent ceiling on him that Huntley doesn't have. What about you, Ryan? Where, where do you stand right now? Yeah, I, I think the proof is in the pudding, and I, I know that we don't want to put too much stock in who's playing with the ones and who's playing with the twos, but if the de facto number one is Ty Johnson, then he's probably endeared himself to the coaching staff in a way that it almost seems like his roster spot might be more safe than not. And I think, to be honest, I think the more interesting camp battle is going to be Jonathan Williams versus Bo Scarborough. Like, do sure. either of those guys, I mean, do either of those guys even make the roster? Do one of those guys make the roster? Um, and I think it comes back to like, you know, Monster talked about at the top of this question, what the Lions decide to do with David Blow. Because if they want, if they want to keep that many running backs, I mean, you're talking about DeAndre Swift, on Johnson, uh, Ty Johnson, Jason Huntley, and a big bruising back like either Bo Scarborough or Jonathan Williams we're talking about five running backs that's that's a and lot then maybe a fullback. And, a, and a fullback yeah so right like, right you, so you can't do that and have a QB3 like not allowed <laughs> well I, I don't even I don't even know if you can do that whether or not you want a QB3 or not I mean take QB3 off the board I don't know if you can if you can keep six running backs I I mean that that's an awful lot of that's an awful lot of cachet that you're spending up especially when you have to think about the wide receiver position and then think about the other side of the ball too, before, you know, we get to defensive line. I mean, this is a team that's pretty shallow in depth and, and they need as many bodies there as, as, as possible. So I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but the running back situation, as we kind of predicted before camp started is one of the more interesting camp battles. 100%. And I think you, you brought up a really po- good point talking about Jonathan Williams because I think he has just as good of a chance at making this roster as both Scarborough does right now because Scarborough has basically been out since the beginning of uh, of padded practices and Jonathan Williams is is no slouch. I mean, we all kind of praise Bo Scarborough for the job that he did in in limited action with the Lions last year. Jonathan Williams essentially matched that kind of production with the Colts. And so they're they're similar backs. Jonathan Williams isn't quite as big. But their running style is similar. Their their value to this team is probably sil- similar. But uh, you also kind of have to think about like, well, how valuable is a power back to this team right now? Because Carryon Johnson runs pretty aggressively. So so does DeAndre Swift. And while I don't necessarily think uh, a little lightning going on behind Mansoor, that was kind of <laughs> foreboding. I don't know what that means. A little ominous, yeah. Jonathan Williams <laughs> lightning just flashing. <laughs> I think I think it was when I said DeAndre Swift, and that would make sense. Oh. Lightning. <laughs> But if you hear thunder, then we should keep Jonathan Williams. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it depends. For every mile away you are. <laughs> Not now. Clap uh, your but, hands. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do think uh, it's kind of an interesting... It, to me, I, I think right now I'm in the camp where I think Ty Johnson and Jason Huntley have shown that they're both worth it in different ways. To me, I'm not taking too much... Uh, stake in, in the fact that Ty Johnson is repping with the ones because I, I think it would be weird to, to put your sixth round rookie there as your number one right away. Um, we could see that change in the future. Um, so if one of those guys are, are on the roster of all, I'm actually probably leaning Ty Johnson more Jason Hunt, more than Jason Huntley. But I think both those guys are safe and we, we have to have a serious conversation of whether a power back is really necessary in this, in this offense. And I'm not sure it is. Could that be the major advantage that Nick Bodden kind of has over the other fullbacks? Because unlike Nada or Kabinda, I mean, he's, an actual fullback and he i mean not like he can i mean he can serve as like a bruising back and like super short yard situations well i mean come straight up a linebacker has he ever carried the ball isaac not as a tight end he's not used to taking handoffs so this could actually play in like nick Bodden's favor that like yeah we don't need scarborough or williams but our fullback will be the fourth and one guy or something you know something like that 
then also too, how long, I mean, for the past couple of years, we've talked about how the Lions need a complimentary bruising back, whether it was LeGarrette Blunt or CJ Anderson and none of it worked and none of it really even seemed even necessary. Uh, there yeah. were a lot of times, there were a lot of times situationally where the Lions were maybe fourth and one or fourth and short. And <laughs> I think a lot of us were like, play action or like throw the ball, do yeah, something yeah. like don't be so predictable and try to just jam it in because it's more so the offensive line that you're trying to, you're trying to focus on there instead of a bruising back. So um, I think maybe just don't keep six running backs. <laughs> Possible. It, I mean, really there's so many different roster combinations and, and I don't know where they're going to go. I think the next two weeks are obviously key, um, but another roster position that that's filled with questions and, and talent is the wide receiver position. And they've really showed up in the beginning of the camp. Uh, Marvin Jones and, and Kenny Gallaudet look as good as ever, basically catching everything that's thrown their way that's catchable. Um, Quintus Cephas, who I think we can all probably agree is, is safe on this roster, even before camp, um, looks like he belongs with, you know, I, I shouldn't say he looks like he doesn't belong with the twos and threes. He looks that good that he stands out amongst those. So we think he's safe. But now the question, we, we know the top three, we know Quintus Cephas is safe. Now we get into the the kind of nitty gritty and and it becomes tough and we've already kind of alluded to it. Jamal Agnew, Marvin Hall, both, neither, one or the other, someone else that we're not talking about. Does Tom Kennedy make uh you know a, a crazy story and, and make the roster? Um, you know, if, if I were to give my assessment of these guys in camp, Jamal Agnew looks good. Not not great, but good as as a slot receiver. He looks comfortable. He doesn't look like he's a, a cornerback. He doesn't look like he has cornerback hands. He, he's catching the ball. He looks smooth in his routes. Now, there's, there's still obviously a, a long learning curve there, and I don't know how useful that skill set is going to be with all the talent that the Lions already have. But he looks good. Marvin Hall, same. I mean, he looks like he did last year in that like he can be a legitimate deep threat, and maybe he's adding a little bit more to his game. You throw in Jamal Agnew's punt return, acumen. It makes for another kind of dizzying situation. So five, six wide receivers. Who do, who do you guys got right now? Are we, are we just loading up on running backs and wide receivers? I think I think Agnew, one thing. I mean, it's good to see might look in camp. One thing that's going to curse him is redundancy. Like, do we need another slot receiver? Or, I mean, Danny Amendola is great in the slot. Cephas definitely can play from the slot. He's, he's speedier than those two, but... We also, if we want like a speedy guy that can line up at receiver, DeAndre Swift, uh, Ty Johnson did, took a lot of reps at receiver last season. You know, like it, it, he's even his returning. I mean, he's a great return man, obviously for a former first team all pro, but Jason Huntley was a pretty good kick returner at uh, New Mexico state. And I mean, it's not entirely translatable, but like you can find a guy on the roster with all the speedsters who can just like fair catch a ball. Like it's not, you know, <laughs> it, it's not, I don't think, I don't think returns returning is, very very important unless you have Devin Hester like unless unless it's like that level so I think Agnew kind of suffers from redundancy while Marvin Hall doesn't there isn't there isn't a comparative wide receiver to Marvin Hall on the roster right now so I think that's a huge advantage in Hall's favor because we don't need a third guy who can play inside I think I think that's a really good point the one thing I will say about punt return though is that Jason I watched Jason Huntley try to you know, field some punts on. Oh, he had a bad day, right? Yeah. (laughs) He he dropped two and then didn't catch the other one. Like the other one bounced in front of him. So um, it, it, it's semi translatable, but it's going to take some work for him if he wants to win that role. And plus the lines do have Danny Amendola is kind of like the safe catch guy. Yeah. Like if they fair catching guy. So um, you're, you're right. Like there are only so many balls to go around on offense. So how many is Jamal Agnew going to catch in a game? How many touches is his skill set going to, to fetch? in an offense that's just like already stacked with fast guys, with the slot guys, with outside guys. Um, it's a really good point. What do you think, Ryan? I do agree that to like Haman Sir said that there is some redundancy. If you think that, you know, Jamal Agnew and Jason Huntley and uh, what some of these other guys can bring to the return game. But I think one of the ways that he's not redundant is something that Monser also said is that speed. Like there isn't a lot of speed at the wide receiver position. Even in the top three, when you talk about, and then this is all relative, but you talk about Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny, Danny Amendola, like none of those guys are burners. None of those guys are speedsters. And you only really get to those guys when you get to the bottom of the wide receiver chart with Marvin Hall and Jamal Agnew. So I think, I think Agnew is really close to being a roster lock for me. I think that hmm. he's 
I think that he brings enough versatility to everything. I mean, the ability to maybe play cornerback in a pinch, play wide receiver, be speedy, be, you know, a gadget player. I think that there's enough there going for him that he's going to be a guy who's going to be on the roster at the end of the day. All right. I like it. All right, let's move to tight end. TJ Hawkinson is dominating training camp once again. Only this time it's for realsies. Because <laughs> he's got Tracy Walker. He's got J. Ron Curse. Some talented guys that can actually cover tight ends, and he's dominating. This is his year. I'm saying it. The year Breaking out. Leap. Year two leap, it's happening. Ryan, I'm looking directly into your eyes. It's going to happen this year. Tell me I'm wrong. Tuesday, August 25th, 8.23 p.m., <laughs> Jeremy Reisman decides to say that TJ Hawkinson, the guy who had one game against the team that was the worst at covering tight ends in the 2019 season, is going to have a breakout season when there are so many mouths to feed on offense. George Kittle didn't look good his rookie year. Look at him. Um, you know? well, not particularly great. Not He wasn't, he wasn't like... All was pro he, is rookie. He was okay, but was, but was he was he a ghost? <laughs> Hawkinson had some moments. He he cooked the Cardinals that one time <laughs> in week one. Yeah. <laughs> Their backup <laughs> corners. <laughs> okay, top look, ten tight end. Top ten I'm, tight end year, no question. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no okay. question. Okay. Uh, look, I want TJ Hawkinson to be good. I want him to be good. He just has to go out and do it. And he's doing it against Tracy Walker. Yeah. Who's good, kind of. Sweet. In practice. <laughs> it's in practice. <laughs> okay, I, I do have to, con- like, all kind of joking aside, although I, I do stand by everything I just said, but I've kind of been saying it in a joking tune. I do have to continue to remind myself that he looked this good in training camp last year. And training camp doesn't... I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter, matter. You don't you don't win awards for, for a great training camp, and Unless you're, I mean, I, what? Unless, Unless you're Devonte Parker. Unless you're Devonte Parker. I just, no, no, I'm just like he uh, looks stronger. He, real he's, quick, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah go ahead. he looks, he looks physically different, right? Yeah, and he's using his body different. He's he's boxing people out. He's catching contested passes. Not that he didn't do that last year, but it's just like he's go. I mean, J. Ron Curse is six four, like two twenty. Like he's an enormous safety, and he. He's just like he's putting his body to him and still getting like four yards of separation. It's insane. And I I I really want to hold back my excitement because you're right. Like you can't you can't mark something down in pen when he hasn't shown it on the field other than one game. You're right. But man, like I, I'm trying to find holes in his game. I'm trying to find weaknesses. I don't see it. I th- I mean, it's if Stafford stays healthy, this guy's gonna have eight hundred yards. It's happening. <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> hold on so we're, we're supposed to be talking about tight ends i literally have not seen his name once but is jesse james still on the team <laughs> i can't confirm that i don't know our <laughs> rap like R- yeah like you were like rap hunter Bryant. i feel like if jesse james wasn't like on a contract we can't get rid of hunter Bryant. i mean he he's uh he was pretty good in college he has he has like like i said like unique non-redundant skill set in our tight end room but like Jesse yeah. James is there, so no. Sorry. I mean, you're 100 percent right. Like, and we'll see how serious Hunter Bryant's injury was. I do kind of sense that it's more on the serious end of the spectrum, but not necessarily one that will. I mean, not not one that will require IR. They probably would have already done that. But um, he was looking good as a receiver. I think Matt Patricia kind of referenced slyly that he was, you know, going through some blocking issues. He's not really a, a two way tight end yet. So I think it's probably a likely chance he's, he makes it to the practice squad and they, and they work on that all year. Um, but yeah, Jesse James, I'm, no, like it, it's, it's the same with, with, and we'll talk about it a little later with Jared Davis, just all these people like, just give him a year. He'll turn it around. Like I'm not seeing it with Jesse James. I'm not even seeing anything close to promising. Is, what is, happened there? Like with just like what, like it doesn't make, he was actually kind of good with the Steelers. And now he's like, he just doesn't exist. Like I don't he, get it. Yeah. His contract is just a total albatross, but are the Lions only going to keep two tight ends? No. I mean, they'll, not, not a they'll keep Nada assuming he gets healthy. If not, they'll pick one up. They'll have to. I mean, they, you can't just roll with two tight ends. 
Like I, I think even if Hunter Bryant was healthy, I mean Hawkinson, James are locks. I think like Nada, the fact that he kind of fits what we like more, and if Hawkinson gets injured again, he can at least fill the blocking part of that job and can play fullback. I think he would kind of be the guy there. Unfortunately for Hunter Bryant, but yeah. All right, let's quickly move to offensive line uh, before we head to the break. Um, surprisingly, one of the positions that might be set from the get-go. Um, basically, they've kept the same starting five throughout all the first week. You got uh, Taylor Decker at left tackle. You got Joe Dahl at left guard. You got Frank Ragnow at center. You got rookie Jonah Jackson at right guard. And then you got Halapuli Vati Vaitai at right tackle. Yes, I'm showing off that I can say his name. Uh the questions are really on the backup end where the lines are kind of dealing with some injuries. Uh, Bo Benshaw has not practiced with the full team, which means rookie Logan Stenberg is repping with the twos at center. Um, it has not looked good. Logan Stenberg has struggled mightily just snapping the ball and, you know, not trying to, to hate on the guy. He, he mostly played in a, a, a running offense in college and didn't play center at all. So it's all new to him. He's probably taking in a lot more than uh, a normal rookie would. Um, but I guess the question is, what do lines do at this point? Do they go with Bo Benshaw, who, you know, was repping to be the backup center late last year, but can't, you know, hasn't been healthy, hasn't been healthy enough to, to rep. They don't know if they can trust that. Or do they kind of cross their fingers and hope Logan Stenberg really improves in the next two weeks? I mean, if it looks like he literally cannot play the position, then I think Bo Benchall has to be the answer because like from, from what it sounds like Stenberg just can't play. Like he just, he's just not at a point right now where if you put him on the field, where you can put him on the field at center, right? Like he's just gonna, he's going to mess up. He's going to get run over. You you just can't do it. And I think for Benchall, that's kind of good because I think that's kind of his ticket to a roster spot that sure. he wouldn't otherwise have. So yeah, but our interior, other than Ragnar, our entire interior offensive line seems like a mess. What do you think? Is, I was going to say, is there any possibility that maybe Joe Dahl could kick inside and play center? Cause he took some reps before. Yeah. I mean, early in camp, they were repping a lot of guys. A lot of guys were just snapping the ball. Um, it hasn't been as varied during team drills, but yeah, I think, I think Joe Dahl can slip in for sure. Yeah. And I think maybe with how Stenberg has performed so far in camp that maybe in case of emergency, you smash that glass case and Joe Dahl all, all of a sudden moves from left guard to center. And then Kenny what, Wiggins, Kenny Wiggins Ode Abushi, yeah. somebody maybe fills in that left guard mm-hmm. spot, but um, it's tough. Like, and I think, I think, I, we, I think that talk- solution makes a lot. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say real quick that I think that you kind of brought this up earlier. Jeremy is um, like with Bo Scarborough, like just not being on the field, like, I mean, or even David Blau, like you don't have any preseason tape to go off yeah. of. And if Bo Benshaw can't, you know, be out there on the field, I always talk about the greatest availability is, or the greatest avail greatest ability is availability. And I can't even remember my phrase, but um, if you can't, if you can't be out there, then you can't be trusted. Yeah. And that's especially true in the shortened off season. But I, I think you could bring up a great point about Joe Dahl because it saves you a roster spot, right? Like the whole thing right now with Logan Stenberg versus Bo Benshaw is Logan Stenberg is going to make the team. There's no question about that. But does Bo Benshaw? And if if you say, well, you got to make Bo Benshaw your, your backup center if Logan Stenberg isn't playing well, well, then where's that extra roster spot coming from? Because otherwise, Bo's probably not making the team. Mm-hmm. Do you know what could have fixed this entire problem? Not keeping a QB three, Graham Glasgow, <laughs> resigning Graham Glasgow, <laughs> resigning. Yeah, yeah. yeah our, I mean, our our guard situation, even starters. I mean, Ragnar is obviously great, but I don't. Do you like? I don't trust Joe Dahl. I don't trust a fourth round rookie. I, you know, I or third I, round rookie was Jonah Jackson. Yeah, like it's. I lo- I like Jonah Jackson yeah. a lot from what I've seen in camp. Joe Dahl's been kind of what he's always been, just like an average guy, and so yeah. If if you take the entire starting offensive line for what it is, I think it's pretty good. But you're right; like the, there are a lot of depth concerns. Like Kenny Wiggins, again, kind of a replacement level player, probably not a disaster if he goes in there. But what about every other position? Like, what about every other backup? What about who's your backup left tackle? Kyle oh. Crosby is just kind of okay. Who's your backup center? Like we said, we don't know. Who's your backup right tackle? Still Tyrell Crosby. So who? I mean, <laughs> so you got you got two reserves that are kind of okay in Kenny Wiggins and Tyrell Crosby. So what do you? I mean, you're going to have to be extremely lucky if that starting five stays healthy, and 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 it happens every now and then. But 
not very often Cro- cross your fingers and pray man there you go that's you know that's going to be the Detroit Lions motto for 2020 actually the NFL <laughs> let's just make that yeah, the no, NFL yeah. motto <laughs> the whole league is in this spot <laughs> alright when we come back speaking of crossing your fingers and praying we're going to talk about the Lions defense so stick around <laughs> we'll be right back on the POD cast week one training camp recap Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back on the POD cast. We're recapping week one of training camp, talking to all sorts of training camp battles, where things stand, where things are going. Uh, and we are now going to move to the defense where there's already been a lot of roster changes, but um, does that mean good things? We will find out soon, but let's talk about the defensive line. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been mostly impressed. I want to say, with the defensive line in training camp, it's always kind of hard to tell with defense because, you know, there's not really live tackling. Things are always going, you know, if not 90%, like 95 at most percent with a lot of these. So defensive players, it's always kind of hard to evaluate, especially on the defensive line. But the one thing, the one revelation I'll say I've, I've had is Danny Shelton. And I think I've underrated him from the beginning because I've used him. I viewed him mostly as like a nose tackle, a run stuffing big, bodied nose tackle but he's shown some some slight quickness some some shiftiness some pass rushing abilities that i didn't think he had um he was the one person i saw all week that was able to beat uh beat frank rake now at center on clean like a clean rush and you know i started to look back a little bit i started to kind of go back and look at his PFF grades, look at his sack numbers, look at a little bit of his tape. And he's actually a little bit more of a pass rush threat than, than I, than I originally had thought. Um, I know you guys haven't been out there to, to see him in training camp, but are, did I, did I sell him on you at all? Are you believing that maybe he can be a little bit more of a pass rush threat than say Damon Harrison was last year? More than Damon Harrison. Yeah. Because you know, that's zero, but, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no. If he's if he's showing it, if he's showing something in camp, and like he's beating Ragnar, like it's he's not beating up on the guards who are like bad. He's beating up on like a genuinely good center. Then, yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to like bet on it because obviously, like you said, like in game versus in practice is super different. So I don't think we should be like, yeah, we have a interior zero tech pass rusher, but like we can, yeah. I mean, it's it's promising. It's nice to see. I guess. Are you buying Danny Shelton as a pass rusher, Ryan? No. 
<laughs> the guy has been around long enough and there's enough tape on him to know that he does one thing okay and that's stuff the run. All right. He had like a 70 something grade in pass rush last year with the, the Patriots on on with on three, like 10 three, snaps. Three, on yeah. <laughs> come on. on and, and, and 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 with the New England Patriots. Yeah. When is when is that ever not translated to another team? Yeah, you're right. Now talk about Jamie Collins. He started 14 games last year. He had three three sacks, which is not bad for a defensive tackle. It's not game changing or anything, but it's not terrible. It's not terrible, but sacks don't matter. We don't care about sacks, right? It's pressures. And I mean, that's that's a big part where the lines failed last year, right? Is pressure up the middle. Like we like to harp on the edges, but half the half the deal is the the interior collapsing the pocket from the middle. Right. And we didn't get that last year. Do you remember one of the games where we did get that? No. Kansas City. Kansas City. Mm. Yep. Yep. Are you referencing something? Danny Shelton wasn't in that game either. No, he wasn't. But I'm saying that that was one of the keys to success at like keeping the best player in the NFL that day. yeah. Yeah. Kept him subdued for all but one really, 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 really important play. Um, why are we talking about that game? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Nick Williams to me has been a little bit quieter in camp, although I looked over his hi- the highlight films from week one of training camp, and um, there are actually a couple of good pass rushing skills. I still remain very skeptical of him, but I'm I'm buying a little bit more on Danny Shelton. Um, also, Deshaun Hand looks good. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, but let's talk about the major injury, the one major injury that the Lions suffered, and that is the Achilles injury to Deshaun Cornell that landed him on IR. Um, Seventh-round rookie, you, you always hate to see that. Was he going to make the roster? I don't know. He probably was a really uh, right there on the bubble as you know, a guy who hasn't played a lot of football lately. Played a lot in his senior year at Ohio State, but not a lot before that. But the question now is who steps up? Who is going to take that role kind of behind Deshaun Hand, behind Nick Williams to be that rotational guy? Is it the guy that they went with last year and Kevin Strong? Is it a guy like Frank Heron who, you know, was just recently added? Is there someone else maybe in the mix? Olive Sangapolu maybe? John Penasini? I mean, John Penasini is really more of a nose, but um, what's your guys' take on on the depth there at the defensive line? Kevin Strong can play not not like well but he can you know he no like i mean there, i think yeah. there's like a difference between like playing well and but like still being able to play and just being like garbage and not being able to play like he definitely meets the threshold of he can play in the nfl and he showed that last year which is like for this defensive tackle room enough like it's probably more than frank heron or olives i can't say his last name so yeah i'm I strong at least from the outside probably is the favorite how much does push even really matter with this defensive line? That's going to always be my question with Matt Patricia. Like how much does push even really matter? Cause it seems like everything he wants to do is either like scheme blitzes from, you know, the edge or from maybe the interior. And then he just wants the ability to cover. So, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, does defensive line depth even really matter all that much? Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned the Chiefs game. The big thing in that game was like Jared Davis and Tavai would like kind of sit, I think. And uh, like these like channels would open and they would like basically just bull rush them or they would just storm through. Like the interior rush wasn't coming from like snacks or. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was coming from the linebackers. Cause like you said, like it's, it is, it's more about setting up the linebackers rather than actually creating push on your own. Setting up the linebackers. You guys just set up me for the linebacker talk. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the biggest story from the linebacking crew is really Christian Jones, um, a guy who had mostly played either the Will or maybe even occasionally the Mike. He's been starting at the Jack, and whether that's because Austin Bryant is still on the physically unable to perform list or because they're bringing Julian Aquara along slowly or whatever, um, I'm a little surprised to see this and, and – at this point, I would say he's the favorite to be the Jack linebacker, which probably should be concerning. He doesn't really look the part to me. At least he hasn't in camp where isn't he big? the guy that I have a lot of faith in creating a lot of pressure. And, right. and maybe that's not what the Lions want in that position. But if that's not what the Lions want, then they had Devon Kennard, who was perfectly capable of not creating pressure and doing everything else just kind of okay. Christian Jones I didn't have a question huge, there. Right? I'm sorry. 
Oh, okay. that? Like, Christian Jones is like huge, right? Like for yeah, a will, he's, he's like, like he's like six three, two forty. Yeah, he's a big uh, guy. So he's he's so, like he's like Patricia likes his linebackers. Yeah, so physically he makes sense, but like I, I don't want to see him doing anything on the field. He like <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. What is he? I don't know. When does he show he could pass rush or stop the run? I guess like five games at the end of twenty eighteen. Like and like stop the run, not pass rush, but just stop the run. But yeah, like that's weird. Like I, yeah, I guess it's what Ryan said. Like, do we do we need pat? Do we pass rush? Like, let's just have a big guy stand out there and be a boulder for the run game and never pass rush. That's Christian Jones at Jack. <laughs> Ryan, your face just reads excitement for this linebacking core. Am I right? <laughs> Am I reading this right? I'm so excited for the second line of defense for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Nothing gets me quite as giddy about the start of the season as the second line of defense for the Detroit Lions. Well, Jared I, I, Davis I, is so big. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I teased it up front, but yeah, Jared Davis does not look great. Um, there isn't any signs of like, oh, it finally clicked or anything like that. And like, I mean, I think it was someone from The Athletic. I don't know if it was Nick Baumgartner or, or Chris Burke, but he said, like, some of the worst coverage reps <laughs> between linebackers and running backs were by Jared Davis, and he's not wrong. I'm sad to say that he's not wrong. Jared Davis can't cover, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It doesn't seem but like is, it will. But is he inspiring players in the locker room, Jeremy? I mean, absolutely. 100%. But is he, does he have that Ray Lewis mentality? Yeah, move him to, and I, I mean, yeah, if we're moving Christian Jones to Jack, move Jared Davis to Jack, right? Like, I, I was always against that, but like, I don't know what Jones would have there that Davis doesn't. Like, it's, if we're doing that, then, you know? Yeah, it's tough. And it's tough to know to do with what, mm. it's tough to know what to do with him at all. But it, the lines are, are, apparently dead set on keeping him at middle linebacker. He's been starting there all of camp. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, but, but the one good news guys, Jamie Collins looks very comfortable and very good. Still. He's, he's one of the best coverage linebackers that they have outside of probably Jalen Reeves, Maven. Um, he's moving all around. I, I think they're going to send him blitzing a lot. Um, he's good. The the question though the one thing that I think the narrative that I probably even am guilty of pushing this offseason is like he's going to make everyone around him better. I have not seen any any sense of that being true yet. But we're talking training camp, no games. Maybe maybe that becomes true, but I'm not seeing it yet. What is what is our plan? Like what is our starting linebacking group? Because Jamie Collins he actually has demonstrated in the past that he can play Jack. Like he's actually a pretty good jack linebacker i think tavai uh i I know like he hasn't had the most uh the best camp but he's a he's he's a good football player i think i'm probably higher on giant Tavai than other people but he's he's good he's an nf qual he's a decent nfl starter jerry news maven can play will i mean he's i guess he's a little tiny for what patricia likes but he's again demonstrated he can play like i don't know what we're doing with jones and davis why are we still giving them like playing time and starting roles like what are these two can't they can't function in the nfl like why are they like I, well, it just doesn't I make th- sense christian jones why a jack I, why and I, I think that i think the short answer is they've just done nothing in the draft but they've but done even, nothing I, in the draft for linebacker and and those are just kind of the guys that they've come with and but what's interesting is they let devon Kennard walk and i thought that devon Kennard was another competent nfl linebacker yeah no, I'm saying even even with the guys on their roster, like you can move Jamie Collins to Jack and then you could move him inside and kind of kick Trey Flowers out there. That's a real thing you could do. You could have Tavai be your starting Mike. You can have uh you can put Jalen Reeves Jalen Reeves Maven at will. Like these these are you don't even have to like go add to someone or draft someone. Like these are things that exist on your roster, but you're like so stuck on these two guys because they're big. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Jelani Tavai has been repping behind Jared Davis um, most of the time as, as the backup Mike. And why? I, like, I think, yeah, I think maybe I think maybe at some point this season, maybe the lines do pull the trigger and be like, you know, we got to swap it out. We got to we got to move on. We got to we got to face facts here with Jared Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy that we haven't talked about yet that that I think actually deserves to be part of the conversation is Mr. Pick Six himself, Reggie Ragland. Um, he's been repping a little bit at Jack as well. Um, with the second team or, or third teams uh, occasionally. Um, a guy who's, who played, you know, 
a, a decreasing role with the Chiefs as, as they went on, but a guy that that I think shows he f- at least fits on the the football field. And and I think I think you know Chad's asking whether he lo- uh, whether he locked up a, a roster spot yet. I wouldn't say yet he's locked it up yet, but he, he's come close. I think he's made it clear that he looks pretty comfortable out there. I wish I would have been there to see his pick six of, of Stafford on Sunday, but um, he's he's going to be a force too. I think I think the Lions have the options now to be like. All right, Christian Jones. All right, Jared Davis. You got a guy on your ass now. Like, show up and perform. And unfortunately, I don't know. I don't really have a ton of faith in this coaching staff that they will pull. You know, pull the trigger on on moving one of those guys because, let's be honest, Jared Davis has had more than enough chances to to show that he's capable on the NFL field, and he hasn't done it. Christian Jones. I mean, they gave him an extension, so they clearly like him, even though everyone has eyes outside of the organization doesn't seem to understand uh, his value, but um, the the lines have depth. It's not great depth and they don't have great starters, but they have options now. And, and that makes me at least a little bit faithful. Would the rise of Ragland bump Killebrew, I guess to add another, because I guess I mean, how many special I mean, it, do we need if we have maybe, right. right. It's really a special teams number and, and it goes to how many special teams guys are going to keep on, at corner, how many special teams guys are going to keep at safety? I don't think, I mean, they, they've also been moving him all around. You know, he's been playing a little bit more safety now, too. So it's just like, it's really more of a special teams battle than a positional battle, I think, with Killebrew. Um, you guys ready to move on to corner, though? Mm-hmm. Corner's a fun one. We can finally start talking about fun stuff with the Lions <laughs> defense. <laughs> So obviously the big story here is is Jeff Okuda. Maybe not not the funnest way to start this one off because he hasn't looked as dominant as I think some people were hoping. Um, he's been repping with the twos, showed some early struggles against Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Um, got a little bit playing time with the ones when Desmond Trufant stops um, repping in team drills. Uh, I guess my my first question is, is really simple: Are you guys concerned at all about Jeff Okuda at this point? Maybe a little, but. Because like a corner is the hardest position to translate to the NFL, but also we've seen corners kind of do it in the rookie year, and Okuda was this can't miss like top tier guy. So maybe, but also I don't know. Like uh, he, he might put it together after a year or six or a few months or something. Like so, yeah, yeah. I get not not calling him a bust or anything yet, but it it does suck to see that he's not really coming along because that kind of leaves us in trouble at corner also. Yeah. We'll get in that to get into that in a minute. Ryan, are you, are you shaking in your boots about Mm -hmm. Jeff Okuda? No, I'm not shaking in my one boot that I have on right now about Jeff Okuda. Oh, everybody feel bad for Ryan. Um, (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, I'm not, I'm not worried about Jeff Okuda. And I think the simple reason is, we know the trajectory for NFL cornerbacks and we know that the the transition from the college game to the NFL game is a huge one. And I think they're bringing him along slowly. And I think that they're setting him up for success in in the best way possible. So I'm not worried about Jeff Okuda. He's going to be, he's going to be where he needs to be on day one. Week one. Is he the starter? I don't care. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that's an honest answer. For the trajectory yeah. of Okuda, it might not matter, but I'm saying for the, the for the roster itself, if like Oruwariye, I mean, I feel like yeah, we love him. He's Reno's favorite. He was a big draft guy, <laughs> but like he's kind of a fifth round pick until he kind of proves otherwise. If that makes sense, like he's sure. still like a guy we picked in the fifth round who's played like three NFL games or something in his career, and it's him and Desmond Trufant who's aging and regressing and coming off an injury, and it's like. And Justin Coleman doesn't look good. Or I don't know if training camp, but I'm saying last year he didn't look good. And it's like yeah. that the one part that was supposed to be good is also not good. <laughs> like, what are we doing on defense? <laughs> I'm I think I'm a little more optimistic about their group. And, and granted, a lot of it is just based on one week of training camp. I do think Okuda or Orarie uh, has looked comfortable, if not good. Um Desmond Trufant has been okay, although the injury is is a bit concerning. Maybe, maybe they're just a lot of maintenance days. But um, he's looked definitely comfortable and, and competitive. And, and Justin Coleman has actually looked really good, I thought. So that, that to me is very promising because what we saw at the end of last year with Justin Coleman is, is still very puzzling to me because he was very good 
before he came to Detroit, he was very good in the preseason and very good in the first three, four weeks of the season. And then it all kind of came crumbling down for, for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm higher on the group and the fact that Orari looks good does provide me with a little bit of hope. Um, and I, I, I mean, I think the lines would be okay if Jeff Okuda wasn't the week one starter. They're, they're obviously not going to be going to have like one of the strongest, you know, one, two punches at, at cornerback, but I think they'll have two guys that are capable and, you know, capable isn't something you want to hear when we just talked about how bad the front seven was, but um, it, it's right. something I, I think about how important the secondary is in this defense. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not overall that worried. Dale Roberts is a guy that has also looked at least okay. He's gotten some first team reps with all the injuries happening as well. Um, they have experienced guys. They have guys that, that look comfortable. So I'm not, I'm not panicking about either Akuda or the cornerback depth, but I, I would say there's at least a little bit of disappointment overall. Which brings us to safeties. Now, maybe one of the weirdest overblown storylines of training camp has been Tracy Walker repping with the second team. I'll let, I'll let you guys throw out your own conspiracy theories of, of why this is happening. Um, but if you don't know, Tracy Walker has basically been uh, repping as the second team free safety with J Ron curse. Whereas Tra- whereas Will Harris has been repping as the strong safety with Duran Harmon in, in the first team. Whereas it started training camp. It was Duran Harmon at free safety and Tracy Walker at strong safety and Will Harris at free safety with Jaron Curse at strong safety. So guys, is this another Graham Glasgow situation? Are 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 we going to see a safety rotation this year? Is is Will Harris taking like the deep third or like the deep middle like even at strong safety cuz like Harmon's definitely more of like a guy that can play inside and do it all into on the interior. I guess maybe they just want to I don't know. I don't know. Like I, Will Harris is bad. I mean, he might be better <laughs> now, but like he's like Christian Jones. I I don't want to see him doing anything. Like you know, get off the field. <clears throat> Ryan, I think I already shared my theory with you. If you yeah, want, you so can I can't. Up. I can't co-opt. I can't co-opt your ideas like somebody from a uh, certain once prestigious publication. <laughs> Brain form. I don't dude. know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, but go ahead and and talk to us about why everybody's so wrong about Tracy Walker playing with the twos. This is just classic Detroit Lions cross-training everybody, and they have to because Jaron Curse is going to be suspended for the first three games of the season. So that means you have no backup strong safety if, uh, if, if Tracy Walker goes down. So what do you do? You rep Will Harris at strong safety with the first team, with Deron Harmon. I mean, it's it's literally as simple as that. Like, why why is this? And you know who the backup free safety is in case uh, Deron Harmon goes down? Will Harris? <laughs> no, I bet it's oh. Tracy Walker. I bet they oh, put yeah. Tracy Walker there, and they put Will Harris at strong safety. So get so get Tracy Walker some rest of free safety as well. Is like, Will Harris playing close to the line of scrimmage? What is, like yes. I guess like strong because okay, strong and free now. safeties are weird. Like just, it's it's hard to like gather from those distinctions what they're actually doing. But like yeah, yeah. okay, that makes sense. And yeah, I don't think Harris is like yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you want Harris at strong safety pretty much no matter what, and so you have to cross train Tracy Walker for that. You have to make sure that <clears throat> I mean the, I think they have Will Harris at free safety with the second team with Jaron curse because Jaron curse is this huge dude that doesn't move as fast as, as Will Harris does. So if it yeah. comes down to it, if somehow Tracy Walker and Ron Harmon get hit, hurt, that's when you want to have Will Harris as your, as your free safety. Um, but otherwise you want him in the box. And so give him some first team reps, give Tracy Walker some second team reps with the free safety so that if Deron Harmon goes down, you have someone that's capable of going sideline to sideline. I think it's simple as that. And 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 considering this team loves to have as many safeties on the field as possible, they went out and got Jaron Curse for a reason. And we talked about it with Arif Hassan when when we had him on. But he's somebody who could even play nickel cornerback. So yeah, I think positional versatility is so important to this team that your theory kind of plays out as as it should. Like I mean, they want guys who can play in different spots, and 
what better time than training camp? If you don't get a preseason, what better time than training camp to get them, you know, acclimated to those positions? Absolutely. Uh, before we go to break, does anyone have anything to say about punter battle 2020? Who cares? Perfect. All right. When we come back, <laughs> we are going to take your questions in the mailbag. So stick with us. We'll be right back on the PD cast. Mail time. Hashtag SPOT, any POD, not POT. I don't know. Hashtag pot. That's probably going to get you a whole bunch of different things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hashtag SPOD. Uh, anytime you have any questions, uh, we'll answer them on the podcast. Uh, or head to Pride of Detroit for our weekly SPOD uh, posts and hit us up in the comments section. Let's start with anonymous Lions fans at play to win the game on Twitter. Yes. Hashtag SPD. No matter how good the players look, they'll only go as far as Patricia can lead them. Any signs he's improved as a leader coach from interactions on the field and or with media? Well, I mean, today was a pretty good example of of, of him, you know, supporting his players. And I think the, the, the players definitely appreciated him for allowing them to have a, a platform. But in terms of like on-field stuff, and he's definitely improved with the media. I think the... The team probably really appreciated the punter battle based on what I hear. Like that sounded like it was a really fun situation, but I think, I, I mean, I think all of the NFL like game related concerns still exist, right? Like the, the inability to adjust to the players that he has, the reluctance to blitz the over-reliance on running the ball and, and stopping the run rather than kind of leaning on passing the ball when, all of modern day statistics say that passing is, is more important than running in today's NFL. Those are the concerns that stay in terms of like his affability in terms of his relationship with the players. I think that's definitely improved since year one. I think even Darius Slay would probably admit that. Um, but that, I don't know if that's going to lead to, to wins on Sunday. I still have my questions about that. Anyone else? Kind of sounds like he's chilled out, but like, I, I, again, I don't know. That's good for a locker room, but I don't know if, what that's going to translate to on the field. Yeah. All right. Uh, Reese Evans uh, from Pride of Detroit asks, two, two and a half part question. One, what have you seen in training camp that gives you hope for the upcoming season? And two, have, and have you seen anything that concerns you? Also, any signs in Patricia's evolution with the team? Uh, well, we kind of answered that one. Uh Based on what we've talked about, guys, what l- let me just say that what what has you most optimistic about the team? What has you the most pessimistic about the team? I think Ryan, overwhelmingly, I, I was going <laughs> to say, I think overwhelmingly the second line of defense for the Detroit Lions, like the linebackers, are just an absolute mess, and I think that they're so important in a Patricia defense. I think you think back to like all of the success he had in New England. He had guys like Dante Hightower and Jamie Collins, who is here now, but it's like years later. So I think that's one of the things that still has me down so much, especially with how much they're like still just, you know, totally in on Christian Jones and totally in on Jared Davis. So that's the thing that I'm probably most concerned about and most down about is that there really hasn't been that much change to that position. But I think the thing I'm most optimistic about is this offense. I think this offense has the the capability and just the outright ability to be very good. Like I mean like top five if if Stafford if Stafford stays healthy all season long, I think that there's enough depth and I think that there's enough on in terms of like skilled players, playmakers, I think that there's enough for this offense to be a top five offense. Those are pretty good answers. I'm not going to lie. Like definitely offensive weapons has to be the most optimistic part of this roster because of all the speed, all the talent, all the wide receivers. I mean, top to, I mean, I think if, if you were to like rank teams by depth at receiver from one to six, I don't know if there's a team that can match the lines. Like 
everyone from from one to six, I think, could play on an NFL team at receiver. That's how good they are. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, and it, it pick pick a spot on defense that's not cornerback or safety, and that's that's my main concern. <laughs> what about you, Mansur? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, kind of what you guys said with the skill positions being the biggest positive. I mean, the fact that like the camp battle camp battles are so intense because so many players look good that it's like a problem. Like it's like the best problem to have too many of our guys look good. Which one are we going to cut? Um, but on the, I think like, I'm, I don't know, I guess Akuda is probably for me the most disappointing part because I mean, I, I think he was kind of the key to our secondary making this like big turnaround. And I think if he, if he isn't ready to like go uh, week one. I don't think that makes him a bust or that makes him like has any bearing on his long-term projections or anything. But I think it's like suddenly this secondary that was supposed to kind of turn around and it would go from just Darius Slay doing everything to like an actual good group is like injured veteran, uh, fifth rounder guy who fell off after four games last year. A uh, guy who got cut after a big contract and rookie who can't who's struggling training camp. It's like, oh well, you know, like that that that's the lineup right now. That's our five. <laughs> so like, oh, maybe this isn't it like that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's change topics to something much more happy. From David Mara at David Mara on Twitter asks, Detroit style or New York style pizza? Very simple. I like square Chicago. Pizza. Chicago's not. Yeah, got this. Got this guy out of here. Chicago's not not <laughs> Detroit or New York style. I'll pick Detroit. Mm, I'll pick New York because I think the older I get, the less yeah, get bread him, get I want to eat. Here's the thing: Detroit style pizza is definitely better. It tastes better, but it will ruin my day. It will stick with me. All day. You're done. York, You're done York for the not, day. <laughs> yeah, you guys are New York old. smells like a snack. Like I can just have a slice of New York style pizza at any time of day and run ten miles afterwards. Wait, isn't New York style pizza? That's the big one, right? I'm thinking. Wait, I mean, it's, New York it's, style it's, pizza. It's, it's big, it's, but it's thin. It's thinner, it's thin, but yeah, it's like it's like yeah. wide. Yeah, but yeah. Detroit oh, okay. like you're putting a brick in your body. Your body can't handle bread it's anymore. It's a very delicious, delicious brick, but aging it's is scary. coming for you, dude. It's coming yeah, for no, you. No, it is. Man. I'm, 20, I'm 23. <laughs> I was realizing like these dudes getting drafted are like younger than me now. It's it's scary. Oh boo! boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh boo! Guys, guys are retiring before they're my age. <laughs> <laughs> Zion Williamson was like 14 when I graduated high school. It's very weird. <laughs> Stop. All right, sad underscore Lions asks, who do you think will be the starting running back week one? Carry on Johnson, uh, if he's healthy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's DeAndre Swift, and it's not going to be close. Might really? be Ty Johnson. Yeah. It's not going to be Ty Johnson. It might be Bo Scarborough, if a few people in our Twitter mentions have anything to say. Yeah. Last might year, they loved him. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll go with our last couple questions from Jay Johnny uh, at Pride Detroit. They ask, who has been your biggest surprise so far in camp? Probably tough ones to answer for you guys, but if you want to go based on reports that you've heard, you could do that. Um, Or I can go first and you can think about it. What are we thinking? I mean, off reports, Okuda. That's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really expect him to kind of step in and be not like fully ready, but kind of ready. Yeah, I think I think mine's probably Danny Shelton. I, I mentioned it a lot at the top. I I didn't expect him to show any sort of pass rushing moves. I just expected him to just be a immovable force at defensive tackle, nose tackle. Um, but I'm starting to think he might uh, provide a little bit more than that. T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, nice. he's on board. <laughs> uh, I've always been on board. Sure you have. Sure you have, you little <laughs> Twitter troll. Uh, Jay Johnny also asks, press attendance at games this year? Question mark. Will there be press? Will press box be open? Open limited? Um, I guess I can answer that one. I don't. I don't have any specific details yet. They're still working them out. I do know that they plan on spreading them out. 
Um, you know, not just limited to the press box, but probably like using suites and things like that so that everyone is, is socially distanced. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also fairly certain that they're not going to have locker room access. Um, that would make sense since they're essentially trying to make a bubble and we're not all getting tested. <clears throat> so um, there's still a lot of to, to be determined there, but um, there, there will be press there, I believe. They're just still working out the details. And then last question for everybody again, and I don't know if this affects any of you, so I think it affects Ryan, so you might have to carry the talk here. Uh, he says, obligatory foodie question. Coffee Talk 101, is flavored coffee even considered coffee? How do you like your coffee? Espresso, latte, flavored creamers. What is your favorite roast? Dark, medium, light. What's your favorite bean of origin? Hawaiian, Kenyan, Colombian. Coffee people okay. are weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you're a coffee person, you're kind of weird. Like I dated a girl who was like really specific about her coffee. Mm-hmm. Like she liked coffee that was like specifically from the slopes of somewhere, and I was just like, <laughs> "You're way too into coffee," because like my favorite coffee are Miller lattes. Um, <laughs> but do you, I don't know. You, you dabble in some coffee, do you not? No, I do dabble in coffee. The the trick that I found for coffee is I like my coffee black, but like um, I'm always not crazy about like the bitterness of it. So if you put turmeric in it, it's a natural anti-inflammatory too. And it really cuts through all the bitterness. So um, you can add just like a little sprinkle and then I guess you can do it to taste, but it really cuts through all the bitterness and it has like some earthy kind of notes to it. So it's good. I will say as as an as not a coffee drinker, I did drink some Hawaiian coffee when I was in Hawaii and it tasted like coffee. <laughs> is, hazel, is hazelnut? That's flavored coffee. That's what he means, right? Because like when I do drink yeah. coffee, that's what I get at Seven Eleven because that's the only coffee. Like I yeah. don't care. I'm not paying more than I'll a sometimes for get those like milky coffee <laughs> things that are at gas stations and they're oh yeah, like, yeah. If, I'm, if i'm going on a road trip and i need to stay up i'll drink one of those it's just like chocolate milk essentially yeah i just don't really know anybody who really drinks uh, other than my parents my parents are the only people who i know like that drink coffee for the taste of coffee and they drink decaf that that to me is like that's weird psychopath like, behavior like why why do you do that to yourself i just want to drink dirt it's just, just yeah, it's it. literally hot, dirty water. Just drink water. Hot, <laughs> dirty water. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to have to do it for this week of the POD cast. Be sure to join us. We're going to have a midweek podcast where I think we're going to kind of talk about NFL season preview stuff. And then we'll be back here either Sunday or Monday night uh, to do our normal POD cast. Make sure you follow us on Twitch. Make sure you follow us on YouTube where we're uploading these. And of course, make sure you're always. Uh, leaving a review or rating us or any of that sort of stuff. But until next week, it's chaos. Be kind.